0: The King's Council community is designed to equip entrepreneurs to operate in excellence through proven God-given templates and kingdom principles. Now, we believe that entrepreneurship is God-given, which is why our mission is to create wealth and provision for the purpose of confirming God's covenant on this earth. So, whether you are a new entrepreneur or heck, maybe you're looking to become one, looking to go from employed to deployed, then we have a program for you. Or if you're an existing business leader looking for that tribe or that community to run with to discover what true success and prosperity in life actually is, not just within the financial means but mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually as well. If you're looking for that purpose, or if you know that God has more purpose for you in the kingdom, then the king's council is the tribe for you. Like-mindsetted, bold, kingdom leaders on mission, willingly engaging in the battle of business, continually conquering new territories to bring the spoils of the world back into the kingdom. The Kingdom Economy. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Council Podcast. And man, we have got ourselves a treat today. A dude who I've actually been waiting to connect with. Some of you guys know who Caleb is within the King's Council. Caleb Willems, I'm referring to. He's been like, dude, I got to get you in touch with this guy, Taylor Welch. And uh, through actually through a separate party, we got connected this is literally our kind of first introduction to each other. So you guys, as listeners, get to meet Taylor like live in person here, as as I'm meeting him as well. So, brother, welcome to the show,
1: man! Thank you for having me. It's awesome to be here. And from what I know about you, I love you already. So we got that going for us.
0: <laughs> it's you don't know a whole lot, bro. So I, let's not get too ahead, too ahead of ourselves. All situation. right,
1: we'll slow down. We'll slow down. A little bit.
0: <laughs> we'll see how long this episode goes. So you're home in Nashville, right?
1: Yes. Nashville. We're, uh, we're in a, a little suburb called Franklin. Yeah. We, uh, moved into a new place in January. And I honestly, this week I figured out a way to connect to the internet. Like we're, <laughs> we're out in the middle of what feels like nowhere. So it worked out for us because now I can be on zoom and I've been Love living it. five months without internet, which is harder than it sounds.
0: Dude, it sounds actually incredible.
1: It's incredible for two weeks and then it's not incredible. I, suppose. Anymore. I
0: yeah. I'd go hungry, man. I need DoorDash. Like, like
1: now oh yeah oh yeah we don't have (laughs) that no (laughs) doordash do
0: you get some land down
1: there we got uh nothing crazy we're on we're on five acres but franklin franklin is uh they just passed the the county williamson county which is the county that we're in they're tired of developers coming in and chewing up all of the the land and so they they just passed uh, a new legislature that basically won't let you build on anything less than like five acres uh-huh. Williamson County. And so the goal there is just to kind of protect the the farmland. So we snuck through that. So we just have five acres. So we barely made it through. Nice. Right on, man. Yeah.
0: Love you. Is that where you're from?
1: No, I was I'm born in Louisiana. So I grew up in Louisiana. My family moved to Memphis. I spent most of my life in Memphis, Tennessee. So just a couple of hours west. And then my wife wanted to live in Nashville when we got some of the businesses up and running. we were we were poor. Like we we were. Dirt poor. We lived off of uh, I was a full-time pastor and I lived off about eighteen thousand dollars a year. My wife, yeah, I don't know how we did it. We just money showed up. It was like freaking, you know, manna from heaven every month. And then when we got the businesses rolling, she was like, I'd like to move to Nashville now. So we moved out of Memphis into Nashville, and it's been amazing. We've been here since 2016. It's an amazing city. Uh we we, love it.
0: We love Nashville too. Good food there,
1: man. Great food, great people, great music, great vibe. It's all of the above.
0: My wife's like favorite store. I actually just bought her some stuff from a kittenish. Are you familiar? Is is your wife familiar? Okay. Well, so my my wife's like a a little teeny bopper. So she needs like extra small and, and it's Jesse, Jesse James Decker. So Eric Decker, I knew who he was football player, his wife, who's like a country singer. So of course lives in Nashville, but that's her her store there in the, the is the Gulch.
1: Yeah, the Gulch. It's like the yeah. one of the first green areas in the city. Yeah, 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 yeah. So,
0: anyways, I just ordered a bunch of clothes for for Ash. So by the time good this airs, you. she'll good she'll for you, man. Some good apartment. husband. <laughs> well, that's good, man. So you are a pastor, dude. Tell me about that, man. What was that? Just like a lifelong goal that you wanted, or what?
1: Yeah, I man, I remember one time I was watching a Hillsong United DVD in Collierville, which is a suburb of Memphis, and I was like. I want to do that. Like I want to be I want to be a worship leader, you know. And I was probably I was like 10, 10 or 11 or some somewhere around that age. My whole life, you know, I was plugged into church, but you know, I quit basketball. I was playing basketball in Memphis in high school. I ended up quitting basketball because I wanted to uh, pursue music. I wanted to go all in on music. Yeah. And it was always a lifelong dream and ended up getting that dream and it's interesting the perspective you get when you achieve something you always wanted to achieve, but then realize once you achieve it, you didn't really want it, Right. you know? And so it was a tough season because pastors and people in the ministry, man, they got to be called to it. Like there's, you got to have a grace for that. There's, you don't just do that for money, you know? Right. And so we got married, we got married and about a month or two after my wife, Lindsay and I got married, she was like, "Something, you're just, you got to change something. You're working 100 hours a week and you're not happy. And she was right. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do different. And just through a series of events, I got connected with a real estate company in the city of Memphis and transitioned off staff at church. I was still involved, still plugged in as a worship leader and play keyboard and, and all that good stuff. But that was like my first taste of real estate and the corporate world because all my jobs up to that point had been like church jobs. And uh, it was fun. I've, was like I really like this. I like I like real estate. I like investors. I like, you know, just uh more non-church work. And so through that season, that's how I learned how to do everything that I do today for the most part from a real estate standpoint.
0: I love it, man. So you were like pastor a church? Were you a youth pastor or
1: I was a worship pastor. So worship. It, the okay. church was yeah, this is a church in Memphis. I was 21, 22. And so I grew up at the church. And so I kind of knew you know, the, the pastors and how everything, how everything worked. There's some great friends that are still in the area, but man, yeah, I was, I was promoted to a position that was like, I had no idea what I was doing. I was managing 350 volunteers. I was like overall production. It a big church.
0: It's a big, big church, 50 yeah. volunteers. Holy cats. Okay. Yeah.
1: Just for production. So just production volunteers. So we we're probably seven or 8,000 people at the church, multi-campus. And yeah, I was like, I'm 21 years old. I had no, no clue what I'm doing. Right. I'm trying to lead people who are like way older than me, but it was good training because then you get into the business world. And it's like, you know, yeah, most of my staff are older than I am. At least when I started Traffic and Funnels, I'm 27, 26. Everyone I hired is older than me, but I had had that, that training in yeah. church life. And so it was no big deal. It didn't, didn't really affect me. So, dude, I
0: love that. There's so many more questions we're going to dive into here, but I read this article. I don't even know when it, when it was actually published but it's a study of by Barna who does a lot of you know studies of over the the church and just religions as a, as a whole and it said that 89% of pastors do not consider themselves leaders 89% and I was like wow. what the dirt like that's voluntarily they gave that information so it's like only 11% actually consider themselves leaders and my heart just as of late has just been so drawn to the church itself here in America and just like, oh, I think it's kind of whack as far as like entertainment on Sunday. And that's, there's really no like actual church, what I read in the Bible to, of taking place. But I think a lot of it is like so many people, they want a pastor or they're put in a role that's not necessarily their giftings or their uh, you know talents or what their strengths actually are. And they're left trying to do so many different things versus actually like, If we were operating and understanding like what our giftings and talents are, like we can put other people in those places and then truly operate like the body of Christ and as the church should, man. So
1: yeah, I think, I think it's interesting, man. There's a lot of people I I feel like that are running church that aren't necessarily called to church. There's a lot of churches that are not necessarily called to be churches either. As weird as that sounds, because like what I see is a lot of fabrication. It's like, man, you have everything right, except you don't have God. Or you yeah. like, you, you're not actually submitting. You're just trying to grow, you know, membership or whatever. And it's yeah. interesting, man, because like when you go to a really healthy, a really healthy environment where it's like, you can tell, man, the leadership and the people that are at the church, like all they care about is like, are we making space for God? Are we making space for things that matter? You can feel it. It's very different. Right. It's funny because in Nashville, the church we go to with Henry and Alex Seeley, it's the belonging uh, co here in Nashville, man. Right it's like, they don't even care about anything. They're like, man, well, is God going to be here or not? You know, like yeah. growing up in the mega church worlds, I met my wife in Springfield. We lived in Springfield for a, for a season and, um, and she was leading worship in uh, James River and it was 40,000 people there on Easter. And that's where I met my wife, massive <laughs> church. And then, and then the life church in Memphis, you know, 70,000 member church. And we, you know, traveled around and Dino Rizzo and like uh, Bethany in Louisiana. And I grew up at the Durons. Like, dude, I, I'm telling you, I grew up in mega church. Right. Massive, <laughs> massive places. And uh, it's so refreshing being at a church in Nashville it's like they're big, but they don't care at all. Like, they, they don't care at all. You can tell. And I think there's a lot of churches that are more businesses than they are totally. churches.
0: Totally. Yeah, man. My heart has really just been, Pastor, I was talking with the other day, it was just like, there needs to be more of an emphasis on community over content. Content is great. I, I love like Craig Groeschel and some you know phenomenal leadership teachers, but I, I can watch that on YouTube, right? It's like that community is just like what's that you know that's church, right? Like being able to be accountable to each other. And this podcast isn't necessarily about the church, but we maybe we can wrap more about that on another episode, dude. So yeah,
1: <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. And, um,
0: so, man, give me a more than you started traffic and funnels when you were, was it 26? Is that what you said?
1: Yeah, 26. So that would have been 2015. So September of 2015. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And then sales mentor is the other big one. We started that in summer of 2019, I believe.
0: Okay. Help me. What is sales mentor? Is that sales training?
1: They teach people how to be closers for other people's offers. Okay, and then they staff a portion of those people into other businesses as well. Right on
0: specific industry at all?
1: Mostly just online. Anything online. that's selling anything online, uh, cool. if it's information or expertise online. So the business started for us like we we wanted to be able to go out and find sales talent, and we would we were paying these headhunters to find a sales talent. It was like they couldn't yeah. find us anybody, and the people they did find, it was like, well, these people aren't even good. So we're like, well, we're just going to train our own. Group of people and hire from that group of people. In 2019, we probably trained 400 salespeople. In 2020, we probably trained two or three thousand. In 2021, we trained thirty thousand salespeople. And so we were like, "Well, we can't hire thirty thousand people." You know, there's no way. So it was, it was mid 2021 that we were kind of like, "We're going to have to start staffing some of these folks into other positions." And it turns out, salespeople are really hard to find and train. So the market was kind of already prepped and ready for us to begin staffing and developing those people. Yeah,
0: right on, dude. You, so you're crushing during the old uh, shutdowns and everything.
1: Yeah, COVID was like the best thing that ever happened for the <laughs> online businesses, especially sales mentor, because people were like, "Yeah, I don't want to go back to work. Like, just teach me how to sell online, and I'm good. I'll stay at home." You yeah, know? yeah, man.
0: Are you pretty active with that still, or uh, what's your role with their with uh, sales mentor now?
1: Yeah, I've moved into more um, chairman faculty for those brands. So I just came off. So about sixty days ago, I was like, man, I think it's time for me to take a little bit of a break and just kind of look at life. I've been gunning, gunning since yeah. two thousand and fifteen. In fact, I talked to somebody, talked to one of my good friends this morning, and he was like, bro, I have no idea how you survived for seven seven years. Like, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I was I was working, having fun, but you, know, you can ask anybody on, on the teams. It's like, man. I fell in love with the work, but then an interesting thing happened probably around 2020 to early 2021, where I was like, I was so busy that I didn't have a vision for what, what was next. You know, like I didn't have a, a, a solid purpose for like, where do I want to head? And so it was about two months ago, two and a half months ago, I told my staff like, I'm going to take a sabbatical. It's been a nice seven, eight years. Like I need 30 days off, but in October, November-ish of last year, there was, a, there was a, a guy who I started speaking to about what it would look like for him to come in and take over some of the organizations. Because I was running a CEO and kind of main visionary for for all the brands. And it was a couple of weeks on sabbatical and I was like, dude, it's time. It's time for somebody to come in. It's time for a new CEO to come in, build into the next season. And so we actually just announced this last Friday. So it's brand, brand wow. new, but I've stepped away as CEO and so I'm more like in the faculty, developing content. I'm really only involved you know, maybe a, an hour or two a month. And uh, this guy's coming in. And it's it's a great story because he knew me before the businesses. We met in Springfield when I was you know worship nice. leader and had nothing okay. to do with business. Got into the corporate world. We actually hired him Traffic and Funnels, hired him in 2018, 2017, 2018. He rose to head of advertising. And then in 2020, he had some, there was some family stuff that he had to take care of with with his mom. And so he ended up moving, moving back to Missouri, transitioned out. And now he's kind of coming back in, but he's got his own agency at this point. And so it's a phenomenal, it's like a God story. You know, one of those things where it's like, oh, that was perfect. It's like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't try to make it perfect. It just happened. So that's my role right now.
0: Love it, dude. So I got to ask, man. So 30 days off, how was that for you?
1: The first week, I was going crazy. Yeah. Uh, I it was I, really hard. I, I
0: bet. Yeah. I mean, you're an entrepreneur, bro. Like you're like head on a yeah. swivel. What, what's next? They,
1: right? It's funny because the first week I was like, dude, I don't want to do this because I'm <laughs> losing my mind. I'm, always, I'm almost more stressed not doing stuff than I am 100%. from working. But what wow. it was interesting is I feel like it was a great God time for me because it was like, yo, you are striving. You are like full on, like make everything happen for yourself. Which sounds so crazy for a guy like me to say, because like, historically, I'm kind of the guy that's, you know, like take responsibility, get up earlier, like do your work, you know, all of those things. But there is a time for stepping back, disconnecting, letting things lie as they like, just letting things go a little bit. But I was, you know, kind of praying through and I was like, I just give me, I just need five hours a week to do something. Or else, this is going to be unproductive for me. So I, I kind of built it up a little bit, like had a couple of hours a week that I was able to do something with. But dude, the sabbatical itself, I was telling Gabriel yesterday. Every year for my staff moving forward, I'm going to make them take the month of June off. Every year, we're going to make it happen. We're going to set the business up in such a way that nobody needs to work. We'll have some VAs and some support role uh, people in. But man, there's nothing like having margin and having cap space. And what we do is. As soon as we have a moment of cap space, bam, we fill it up and then it's no longer cap space. Yeah. Right? And dude, there's nothing as productive as uh, a group of people who have bandwidth and they don't touch it. Just leave it alone. Just let it sit there, you know, which is hard. It's its it's its own discipline. I love that you just said that, that it's, it's
0: discipline because I find myself in that struggle we'll call it uh, often where it's like okay i've got like two hours we're just like, looking do? for the next thing versus just spending time with with maybe god like sp- like go just read for a, pe- a period of time and uh because it's just always it's that mindset shift of like well that's not productivity like that's activity but in all reality there's yeah. such a need for that to be able to operate in excellence and in all those 100%. other areas So that's good. I think Gabrielle is probably like, cha-ching, June is off next year.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's, I tend to attract people that are just like kind of the same where it's like, man, they'll just like, Gabrielle went on a vacation last week. She's, she's probably going to get mad soon because she's on here, but she can't talk. But she went on a vacation last week. It's like, man, we had to force her out of the office. Same with all of our leaders. I think it's a societal thing where it's like, man, we're all passionate. We all really care. We're all motivated. We're driven. But it's it's a counterintuitive thing that sometimes the most productive and effective thing that you can do is do nothing. Yeah. For a little bit, you know?
0: Right. Yeah, that's so good, man. Mm. That's so good. So tell me then, I mean, you're crushing it. Is it safe to say you're, you, you're crushing it financially? I mean, there, we always wanna do more and you know acquire more, do more, be more, have more impact,
1: but you're doing all right. I'm doing all right by most people's standards. Yes, yes. Yeah. So
0: tell me, man, Going from the eighteen thousand dollars a year pastor because our our audience, the King's Council listeners here, we talk a lot about wealth, wealth creation, and you know it's God that gives us that ability. And for those that have that that calling or that desire to grow, that you know just that entrepreneur spirit, for me, it's it's just like permission to be able to do so. So talk to me maybe a little bit more of, of your mindset or when that shift happened, or maybe it was always that way. You just found yourself in a role where you're like, this isn't why I was created. And maybe even the, the idea of ministry to business tree and, and just kind of your shift through that process, if you will.
1: It was tough for me to walk away from full-time ministry and walk into something new because I felt like I had wasted time. You know, like I had wasted at that point, my whole life trying to do something that I didn't, I wasn't going to do in the future, which ironically is a repeated theme. I think for your more driven, motivated, but yet kingdom minded individuals, because we sometimes have a linear carnal view of time rather than a kingdom view of time. And like kingdom, there's no wasted time ever. Like it's Everything flows from one thing to the next and everything works out for the good of those who love him and blah, 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 blah. Like we, we know these things intellectually, but then we're like, well, I feel like I just wasted time in it. You know, even with the last season, I am so driven that like, no matter how successful or rich or whatever I become, I am aware of the next level. And therefore I never feel like I'm actually successful, you know, and that, that became a hamster wheel for me. And it started, ironically enough, it started, when I transitioned into the real estate world and it, I don't think it ever fully ends, but it's something that I'm getting better at with time. There's something interesting to be said with knowing how to prioritize your life based on what's most important to you. You know, when my daughter was born in 2019, I was like, man, I might be, I might be doing life wrong. You know, I'm just like so busy chasing things that actually don't matter. And I talk about this now, like there's a product that we have called the Consulting Memo. And uh, man, I've gotten more messages about this thing because in one of the welcome issues, I tell a story about how a couple of months ago, I was walking out and I had to meet a bunch of investors at the national headquarters. And I walk out and my daughter's dressed like Elsa from Frozen in the middle of the living room. We're on an Elsa cake right now. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> she's like, hey, daddy, you should dance with me. And I was like, in that moment, in, in that, in my mind is like I have a decision to make and I'm aware of I'm aware of the decision. Like decision one is I move my office, I move their schedule and I maybe upset a few people at work, but I get the moment with her that she'll remember forever. Option two is I say I can't do it and maybe she'll understand and I miss a moment. How often in our lives do we prioritize the moments that we will regret in the future mm-hmm. and we don't even know it. You know, we don't even know it. It's like I was on an interview this morning is I don't know how many people are listening to this. I think there's hundreds of thousands of people that are tuning in live. It's this massive TV show syndication. And they're like, what have you learned about success? And I said, success is defined by the moment. And then when you take your last breath and you're exiting this life and entering the next, did you invest your moments wisely? That's what success is. And if we're not aware of that choice, we will always make the wrong choice. Sometimes it's not about fixing anything. It's just about becoming aware. Like You can't buy a chunk of time that you misplaced yesterday. I can buy a bad real estate deal. I can go make it back. I can make more money. Yeah, you know, like I can apologize to old friends, whatever. But you can never buy time yesterday that wasn't properly spent, you know? Yeah. And so it's a really big deal that we just don't think about.
0: That's good. So within the King's Council, we we coach uh, when people get onboarded with us, it's, you know, let's develop some core values and understand like what that really means. Because those are going to be what ultimately dictate the decisions that we make. And, and and be able to instantaneously make those decisions, knowing that is based upon our core values, is that getting us closer or further from our vision? Break up your day now that I'm calculating your daughter's three. So yeah. how do you break up your work day? You know, a lot of people call it the work-life balance, more so maybe a, a harmonious type relationship between how I can be the most productive in all pillars of life, not necessarily robbing from one to pay the other. But how do I operate in excellence and and, you know with intention? Because that's what a lot of it comes down to is you got to be intentional with what you're looking to do. So, what do you
1: got for us on that, man? Part of this comes down to personality. Mm. Um, Some people really value like routine and steadiness and constant, and some people really value variety. There's no right or wrong way to do it. I can tell you, for me, I tend to value routine, micro and variety macro and so i i've dialed into like what is what fuels me what do i like and right now i'm in a season where from a macro standpoint the next six months are going to be a little bit less intense for me and so i'm doubling down i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna wake my daughter up every single morning without fail uh and we're gonna run around the house and be crazy for the first 30 45 minutes of the day and then i'm gonna read and i'm gonna go to the gym and i'm gonna do whatever i want to do because i want to do it (laughs) you know that's that's what's good for me right now. I guarantee you, without fail, like I promise you, I will bet you money that December rolls around and January enters and I start getting restless because it's been six months and I need variety. You know, I need to change what I'm doing and I'm gonna be ready to build. And I'll go into a different season and that season will last another six months and I'll push and then I'll take the next six months. And so I think you gotta look at your life like, it's like a chess piece like or, or a board with, with pieces on the board. People lose their way when they become unstrategic about their own life. They feel like they're prey to circumstances rather than being the orchestrator or the, the you know the strategist yeah. to put their life together. And so my values are very simple. I can read them to you. there's there's five of them, they're easy. Yeah. Um, those values definitely run my life. But my schedule is like I want to be 100 percent in what'm I'm, whatever I'm doing. If I'm not 100%, then I'm 0%. And there is no such thing as balance. There's just presence. Mm -hmm. And so I know for a fact, my daughter and my wife would rather have 10 hours at 100% than 40 hours at 5%. This is a no-brainer. and So I think you got to be careful sometimes when you're just like, work-life balance really is like transactional. You're just trying to check something off. Uh, I'm a bigger fan of being present.
0: It's good, man. Love that. And I love what um, you said, just like there, there's seasons, seasons for everything, right? So what advice would you give though to somebody that inevitably we know that this happens is, you know, someone's listening to this and they're like, yeah, that's easy. You get six months off. Must be nice, right? Like they're thinking that. And if you're not thinking that, yeah. I know some of you are thinking that or listening to this thing. It's like, it's a victim mentality. It's what it is. It's like, must be nice. Well, yeah, you know what it is? It is nice, right? Because you've put yourself in a position to be able to do that and choose to do that. But uh, what would you say to that person that maybe is thinking that, that dude, let's say they got three kids and the decisions that they've made up until this point has put them exactly in the position that they're in. But they they now have the ability to make that next decision of like, okay, I know what I've done has produced me these results. Okay. But I, I can choose what I'm going to do next. But I still have three kids. I need to be intentional with them, but I need to actually, you know, find an opportunity. Okay. First off, if you're just working for a paycheck right now, you gotta find another opportunity. Head on a swivel, like let's. If you need some of those, DM us. We've got opportunities uh, in place, but you gotta find a side hustle. You're not gonna by by working a job. You're not gonna be able to set yourself up in a in a way financially to have the time freedom that that Taylor has in his life. So, what would you man say to that person that is like, I don't have time right now. How do I make time? How do I make time serve me? Make money serve me for that matter, so I can ultimately serve God and, and the purpose that why I was created?
1: I think there's a misconception about, it's it's all perception. Me working hard or me not working hard or taking a sabbatical or not taking a sabbatical, everyone compares my perception of myself to my perception of that person. And so mm-hmm. I believe that like the fastest way to die is to have no challenges in your life, period. It's yeah. The fastest way to die. The second fastest way to die is to have too many challenges in your life. So it's like a little bit like a double-edged blade here. Me taking the next six months, I will work harder than most people in the world combined on a down season. You know, yep. my grid is different. The the Rubik's cubes that I have assembled in my mind for the world is different. My perspective is different. So it's like, do you want to do things that very few people are, are able to do, then you're going to have to tolerate things that very few people are willing to tolerate. And it's, just a, it's really a commitment you make to yourself that the destination is worth it and the direction is worth it. I don't believe that things get too hard because they're too hard. I think things get too hard for people because they lose faith in the destination. They lose faith in the direction. They lose faith about where they're going. So you've heard it said like, you, know, it, you don't need more resources, you need better reasons. It's like that's basically it, you know. To that person, though, to zero in on your question, to the person who's kind of thinking that, you have to make sure that you directionally you are proud of who you're becoming. Mm. If you can answer that question, it's like okay, people now are going to be like, well, that's pretty existential. Like that's not applicable at all. It's like okay, well, just listen. Like, are you prouder of yourself this Christmas than you are right now? Yes or no? And if so, why? What does that look like? It's not that we're not winning. That's not why we feel bad about ourselves. I've met some of the most successful people in the world. Some of them feel way worse than they did when they were poor. You know, it's not about your success. It's how you feel about your success. It's how you feel about the progress you're making. And so, if you're not tapped in to like, this is my choice. This is my direction. I am proud of it because it's my direction. Then, no matter how successful you become, you're not going to be very happy. I don't know if that's making sense, but
0: yeah, no, it's it's solid. It is amazing because. So many people are—they're basing their success on other people's success, and that at the end of the day, def- definition of success is going to be different than than mine. And everybody that's listening, and it's—it's it's defining what that is. And for me, man, it's—it's it's really identifying the God-given purpose of of why I, I was created. Because I realized that I could be successful—you know what people most people think successful is—at a lot of things and still yeah. feel like a failure. Right and that's just just what you said, man. It's like if it's what you feel about it that that matters. So who gives a rip what other people think about it or or you know what if they have more money in the bank or less money? Like who yeah. gives a rip? That's for them to decide what their success level is. So what I wanted to get at with that question was even is like if you're that person with three kids and you know you're not crushing it financially right now, but are you are you do you have the time to spend with your kids? Right? Are you yeah. able to? Be present as you mentioned man in that moment to not be focused on the the goal or the what I'm gonna achieve one day to the point where you're missing the presence in being able to be there with your kiddos um because uh, you i mean that times you never get that back right yeah
1: hundred percent Yeah,
0: man it's good 100%. it's good dude so what are you focusing I know you're taking six months quote unquote off right but what do you you've got traffic and and, and funnels kind of going, you've got sales mentor going, you've, you've passed that baton, that kind of leadership baton. You're still, you know, controlling levers from the, the, from the cockpit, so to say, but what is your like focus on then? Because I know like time off is time off, but you're still growing something, right? Like that's just the mindset and human being you are. So tell me what you're working on now, man.
1: So we have a, a new brand called the Wealthy Consultant. I am super passionate about uh, people who are... There's a couple of different people that I, that I really enjoy helping. One class of person would be that they're working at a job, they're in corporate America, or they're in the workforce. Tremendous expertise, but they're just not happy. Uh, being able to untrap and unlock them via consulting is consulting is a $140 billion industry. It's growing every day. People take their own expertise for granted. Yeah. They, they they think it's normal. And it's like, nope, that's not normal. There's there's millions of people who would pay you to teach them something. And then the other class of, of person inside of wealthy consultant are the people who have just kind of been hamster wheeling along. They're not really, they're not doing bad, but they're not doing great. They're looking for ways to increase leverage. My consulting IP, you know, that that I started building in 2015, you know, I've I've tested 40,000 clients through it. I mean, it's like, it's insanity. We've had hundreds of thousands of customers come through our different curriculum and programs. And so a lot of the new curriculum that I'm developing now is really designed around, let's take the next three to five years of your career. Let's leverage it appropriately so that when when the fifth year comes around, it's like, you don't have to work anymore. You're, you're completely free. You do whatever you want to do because you've assembled your infrastructure properly. You put your, your capital into the right assets. And so it's going really well. One of the first things that we did is uh, launch the consulting memo, which is a monthly print newsletter. And so I basically take the lessons that my team is is accruing from you know hundreds of different industries. We put them into a, a newsletter and we ship it out to people's offices and homes all over the world. People lose their minds over like this a thing.
0: Physical, um, a physical newsletter yeah. people are getting, not like an email. Yeah.
1: No, it's a physical it. newsletter. And uh, each month it comes with like a bonus. So there was a book that I really enjoyed that I read last month that I put put all of my notes. It's seven pages of book notes. And people, it's just, I think it's fun for people because they get, it's like Christmas yeah. every month. You get, they get to hear lessons that work and then they also get to read um, you know unique excerpts from things that matter. And so that's, people pay 27 bucks a month. Cover shipping all over the world. Uh, it's fantastic. People can get a free version if they would like at consultingmemo.com. And dude, this it's a it's a different type of company because it's super chill. We're on waiting lists for a long time. like there's there's not a lot of stress, there's not a lot of chaos. so that's going great. I have a handful of equity clients that I consult and advise and I love them and we're building really cool products together. There's a paid media agency. there's a you know, got some stuff in the crypto landscape. And so I'm just uh, having fun building things that matter yeah. that the world needs more of, and you know we'll see what happens. I, there's also the commercial real estate. We have uh, 25 million dollars of beautiful buildings going vertical right now. Part of it's in Nashville, part of it's in Branson, Missouri, and it's it's amazing to see that take shape as well. Real estate's a great asset. It's a it's a weird time for the single family market, but our commercial portfolio is booming. So yeah, just kind of doing a little bit of everything and then sleeping, a whole lot of sleeping.
0: (laughs) It's important, dude. It's important. It is important. Yeah. Are you are you tracking your sleep? So I got this Whoop band that I'm I'm tracking, and it does. It realized it's just done nothing but aggravate me more than anything.
1: I was probably one of the first uh, like gurus to get into like Aura ring back in the day. I remember being on Aura's beta list and waiting six months because they didn't ship to the United States yet. This is how early it was. Man, I was so religious about my data. I've got years and years and years of HRV and heart rate and body temperature. So I was into Aura. I was into Whoop. And uh, right now, I'm just like, I don't really care. I'm not really tracking any of it. Because when I wake up in the morning, what do I want my first inputs to be? Do I want it to be like, oh, this beautiful sun, let's go out and take a walk? Or do I want it to be like, oh, dude, you're dying. Your HRV is too low, which makes me sound like a total hippie right now speaking <laughs> it. But I have so much data that I just like, I don't really care right now. I mean, I'll yeah. put it back on you know, later. So.
0: Yeah, bro, I'm in the same, same boat where I've realized my first thing is I'm like, well, how did I sleep? And then I'm letting that freaking dictate my mindset of, well, I didn't get enough sleep. I'm going to be just kind of a, no tired today. It's like, what the heck am I doing? (laughs) Versus actually, you know, using the data to actually affect what I should do about it. I was having it affect me. And so it's like, I don't know. I don't know how much longer I'm going to have this on. Plus it's summer, man. I need to get this tan line taken care of. So. Yeah, dude, it,
1: (laughs) it definitely, yeah. It, Makes you have a nasty tan line, right? <laughs> I'm
0: always curious, man. So I have, you know, equity stake in a number of different companies as well, and some of them are just like fun projects. Some yeah. take obviously more time than others. But what are some cool, cool projects or or fun things that you got going on?
1: Yeah, so there's there's a couple cool things in the crypto space, kind of like trading alerts for crypto, teaching okay. people how to trade uh, trade options and. Uh, deal with the volatility of the crypto markets right now. It's just been a bloodbath. This has kind of been fun to watch. Their, the paid media side is always going to be fun because it's just marketing. It's marketing and advertising. They're you know, like man, I, I cut my teeth after the real estate world on David Ogilvy and John Caples and Carlton and Halberts and you know these guys who are just the best advertisers in the world. I'm having a ton of fun on the the paid agency, which is exciting. All digital? Um, is that is that all digital? Yeah. 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 yeah no. Nothing direct mail as of yet. I might know a guy that also... does some direct mail if you want to
0: test some direct really? mail
1: stuff out. Yeah, I do. I do a, I I do a fair amount. Oh. Do you? Yeah.
0: What do you do? What do you do? Dude, so I mean, we mail probably. Oh my gosh, probably between a hundred and three hundred thousand pieces of mail every every week, just dependent upon our you know our clients and which ones are working. But so we we fill events. All throughout the country, live events, and like that's where I was just saying, but I, I literally, for those that don't know, I like ran in to hop on the computer here and, and do this interview because I've been out selling walk-in bathtubs for the last <laughs> couple <of> days, which <laughs> yes. is just one of our companies. But we fill all of those events through direct mail, so you know everything from. But direct mail. It's it's evolved so much, man. When I first started, it was like yeah. you could send a little three by five postcard and people would show up. And now it's entirely different with the list and data and and uh, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I I kind of I, I geek out to that because I, I love it. But by far, I love digital marketing. But by far, the highest return on results that we've ever gotten, still to this day, has been direct mail as far as filling
1: live events. Wow. Amazing, right. You should uh, you should just start. You add my address in there and start sending me stuff.
0: Yeah, I will, man. I will. You should join yeah. uh, the king's
1: council. So I'll, I'll send you. A month. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, send it to me. Easiest sale of your life. <laughs> Save
0: me a stamp, even. I love it. Come
1: on, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right on. So paid uh, marketing or, or advertising. That's great. Your your commercial real estate. Are you doing those as like funds, or is that just you own personally?
1: No, yeah, we're syndicating them. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I have a I have a piece of it. Mostly, it's run by my dad. So my dad was in uh, corporate America forever. He was a VP of sales at Allstate Insurance, and so he oversaw like tons of tons of agents. And so when he was kind of ready to move on from that, it's like he, he had a background a little bit in real estate as well. And so he's running that whole fund and crushing yeah. it. And uh, like, it's crazy right now because, for example, the, the subdivision we're building in Nashville, man, it's it's our, it's not done yet, but it's already appraised $2 million over what our build costs were. Wow. And so we're just, it's just like the market is, you know, insane yeah. at the moment. So, like, okay, well, we'll just, you know, we'll take it. Heck yeah. um, And short-term rentals is also an interesting crossroads because it's like after COVID, especially, we we had short-term rentals in Branson and they did okay during COVID. But once the restrictions lifted, they just exploded. And so your nightly rental stuff is like some of the highest yield asset class I've ever seen in the real estate market. Right
0: on. Love it, man. I love that. You just, you you got so much going on. It's amazing. I love...
1: Yeah. I I almost have... I can't wait to consolidate. I think uh, that's one of the things we're doing because uh, yeah. over the next couple of months, it's like just consolidating positions. Last year, I felt like I was too wide and thin. Sure. And so I really want to go narrower. I mean, people send me messages all the time. Like you probably get the same thing or like pitching me and you know, oh, yeah. you, I'll give you equity in this. And it's like, I don't actually have time to do anything else at the moment unless I start violating my values. And then that that's a bigger issue. And so like there is power in focus uh, and then once you build a bed and you build some some team, then there's can be an incredible power and in diversification. But you got to go in order.
0: Yeah, man, that that's so good, hundred percent. And we, I get a lot of those messages, and I've realized the question isn't "Can we do it?" The question needs to now change. Like, should we do it? Like, there's there's so many opportunities. And they all can be successful, but it's, it's like, where are you going to spend your time and energy? And dude, I've, I've had everything from a freaking rubber ducky company, like no joke, rubber ducks. I've had a warehouse of like 300,000 of these things to, uh, to a car dealership. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if serial was the word then maybe stupid, but, (laughs) but a lot of, I've, I've afforded the ability to make a lot of bad decisions that um i like to now you know help people not make those those bad decisions yeah but yeah it really comes down to just like what should you focus your time and and just sticking within your wheelhouse of like what's what are you what are you good at like what do you know that you you can crush and and you know why 100%. why
1: why try anything else so
0: yeah how will our listeners uh find out more about you i know you're on instagram i follow you on there
1: instagram twitter uh, all my usernames are taylor a welch you can also go to um TaylorAwelch.com. You can if you want to try out if there's anybody who's uh you know wants to grab maybe the free um, memo, you can go to consultingmemo.com. Just I'm all over the place. Social's easy. And if you do follow me on social, send me a message. Love talking to people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Taylor A. Welch, we'll make sure that we put those in the show notes as well. But um the consulting memo.
1: Did I get that right? Yes, yeah, it's just con- consultingmemo.com. No the
0: Cool. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to check that out, man. I love that. I love that. Yeah. It'd be fun getting something in the mail,
1: right? Yeah, dude. You'll love it. Yeah. You're, well, you're sending it to everybody else. Let me send you direct mail. That's what you need. Dude. Yeah, exactly.
0: Now I'm sold. All right.
1: right, <laughs> we'll Swap. We'll swap letters <laughs> like old times. Right.
0: <laughs> I love it, brother. Well, I appreciate you being on the show, man. Uh, we'll have to have you on again. Maybe you can join one of our uh, King's Council actual coaching uh, calls. We host those Monday evenings, man, live with, uh, hundreds of people throughout the country. So we'd love to have you on there if, you're, if you'd if you be willing to join us.
1: All in, dude. Just tell us when, we'll do it. Right on, brother. Have a good day, man. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the King's Council Podcast. If you loved what you heard, give us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also watch this episode and much more on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash King's Council Coaching.